In 2035, astronaut Mark Watney, a member of Ares 3, the third manned mission to Mars' surface, finds himself stranded alone on the Red Planet. A windstorm had put the mission's departure vehicle at risk, and so the mission was aborted. Watney, struck by debris and knocked unconscious during evacuation, was presumed dead by his crewmates at NASA. Faced with total isolation, Watney applies his engineering spirit and botany expertise to begin formulating a plan for his survival and return home, all while believing that NASA had left him for dead. He begins cultivating a potato farm within his living space and modifying a river for long overland journeys, reasoning that his only chance at survival is to create enough food to last until the next mission to Mars four years later, at which point he traveled 3,200 kilometers to the mission site. Watney next manages to establish contact with NASA and informs them of the measures he's taken. Together, they formulate a plan for Watney's survival and rescue. The plan, despite massive efforts, soon meets disaster. This and several other seemingly fatal setbacks make Watney's survival seem hopeless, but the intellectual and financial resources of the world are focused on him. Through the ingenuity of scientists at NASA and the courage of his crewmates, a new plan is hatched to save Watney's life. In the meantime, Watney continues to face crises on Mars, including a loss of communication with NASA. Watney, after more than a year and a half alone on a barren planet, is rescued by his old crewmates through some seriously slapped-together engineering and excellent game-day decisions by his commander. In the end, Watney reflects on the thousands of man-hours and millions of dollars that went into his rescue with gratitude and awe at the generosity and tenacity of the human spirit and the seemingly universal instinct of humans to help a person in need. Hello and welcome to Sci-Fi Sidebar, a podcast where two siblings analyze our favorite stories from science fiction. I, and make fun of them. And make fun of them. <laughs> um, and criticize them more than we ever wanted to. I am your co-host, Cecilia. Cece. Oh, and I'm Peter. <laughs> your other co-host. So today we're talking about The Martian. Um, this is a story that has kind of an interesting background. The author, Andy Weir, started writing it as blog posts because he's, he's like a computer engineer. He's not an author by training. And so he started releasing fragments of the story online, and it had created such an enormous cult following that in the same week, he got both a print book deal and a movie deal. So he really got that sort of whirlwind success that uh, I think a lot of bloggers dream of. (laughs) Uh, So that's kind of like a really awesome kind of way of going about it. Like, that's like a... That you're right, that is really the dream. But like that's like some guy just started, you know, posting these blog posts and thought it was like a cool idea. And it's a really good example of things exploding way past he thought where he thought they would. Yeah, I always think about um sort of there's all these websites where people can post stories and like almost like fan fiction sites, but for regular original fiction. And you never really expect any of those like get book deals, but um, you know, obviously some of the best ones do. So congrats, Andy. We are a couple years late, but <laughs> we're proud of you. <laughs> I didn't even know those kind of things were a thing until basically this. Oh, book. I spent a lot right. of time in high school reading them. Oh God, you're a nerd. Such a nerd. It's fine. Mostly fan fiction. If I'm being totally one hundred with you guys. <laughs> oh my God! Really? Did you not? 
Did you ever read fan fiction? <laughs> I never was like, man, I spent a lot of time in high school reading Everyone fan fiction. Everyone Maximum Ride fan fiction. And other oh, books. But for some reason, I that one stood out. I know, that was intense. You were obsessed with that book for like a while. I like, it's one of those books that I never want to reread because I'm afraid it was terrible. <laughs> I just didn't know it at the time. <laughs> God. But right. anyway, so, so I think one of the cool things about Andy Weir's use of this format is that it comes off as really realistic because these blog posts, I am assuming, were sort of in the form of the Saul by Saul logbook of Mark Watney. And it gives it sort of this feeling that it's a true story, that it's you're getting updates from space from a person who's going through these extreme circumstances. Yeah, no, it's like kind of... It's something I'd expect to find online and, like, think for a second, wait. <laughs> is this is real, that... though? And then I go, oh, wait, no, he said Mars. This is These are souls. They're in... It's on Mars. It's not real. Cool, <laughs> cool. Yeah, well, I mean, even with the Mars thing, I know our little sister, um, who's uh, a few years younger than us and was at the time as well... Uh... <laughs> yeah, that's how that works. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I mean, even younger then than she is now. Um, actually asked us if this was a true story, which I, I totally get her feeling that way because, like, I don't know, it feels really visceral. I would say, Andy Weir, you can definitely tell by his writing that he's an engineer. It's really tech-heavy. It's not stylistically all that refined. It's like, let's be honest, it's a pretty crude book. Like, the script for the movie was a lot better written. I think it, it reads kind of like a movie script, honestly. If you're gonna, you know, reject the idea that you can sort of immerse yourself in it um, like it's real, then it reads more like a movie script to me than a novel. Just sort of in the lack of, I guess, fluff, if that makes sense. Yeah, but, like, to me, that's kind of... So, sure, maybe Andy Weir uh, is not a particularly great writer because many STEM people aren't. But, like, <laughs> a problem we know well. Yeah, me and myself included, right? <laughs> but... Neither was Mark Watney. So if we're, if we're treating Mark Watney as like a real person or just, you know, as the character Mark Watney, Mark Watney is an, a mechanical engineer by his bachelor's degree and a botanist by his master's degree. So, I mean, what what point did he learn how to write? Well, in a weird way, though, I would expect him to be a more formal writer. Like, one of the things that I sort of have a problem with in the writing style is the fact that, like, from the get Watney is, like, super informal in his logbooks, which doesn't make too much sense to me because he knew that they were going to be read eventually. So, like, I get that he was under great emotional distress, but I would think that he would have maybe taken a step back. Being the Watney we know and being able to sort of think about things analytically, even in crisis, I would have thought that he'd be able to take a step back and be like, maybe I should keep it clean for posterity (laughs) and not just use it as, like, a personal diary. No, but see, he talked about that. Well, one, I think, like, having that dialogue, like, I think being able to, like, go back and read old log books probably gave him some psychological help. Like, that would help me. Like, reading books would absolutely help me. The ability to kind of almost escape into someone else's world, even if that's someone else's a past to you. Right, yeah, but, like, that works too, you know? Like, but anyway, so what what I'm thinking about is the fact that, like, if you go by what he was talking about in the book, at one point when he made contact with nasa and they were like hey man we have a plan he was like oh shit i'm gonna have to start taking these more seriously than aren't i and do these more regularly so like i think there was a amount of yeah i'm never gonna get rescued someone will listen to this sure but or someone will read this but like not in my lifetime (laughs) 
Um, so one of the things... He, what I'm saying, sorry? He had a fucking mentality. He had a fucking mentality. He did have a... He had a major fucking mentality. That's 100% accurate. Yeah, so... So this book is honestly... I was thinking about things to talk about, and I was honestly surprised by how many different ethical dilemmas there are. Because obviously there's the core one of, like, Mark Watney as a human being. Is it ethically worth it to save him? Obviously. Is it economically worth it to save him? much less certain. Yeah, almost definitely (laughs) not, unfortunately. definitely not. I mean, he's definitely a more valuable asset than, you know, you or I. But his rescue came at a really significant cost. With the fact that the future Ares missions were almost certainly delayed um, because he took the MAV from Ares 4, so that's one thing. So they've got to get another MAV on Mars for Ares 4 to happen. The Hermes is going to need probably a lot more work done between Ares 3 and Ares 4 in order for Ares 4 to happen. Like, there's a lot of stuff that doesn't really get discussed in the book or fleshed out that was a consequence of his rescue. Quite apart from the lost missions of, you know, the Taiyang Shen and others. Right, you know, I'm how pissed off I bet the Ares 4 crew is. Like, at one point, they're like, man, okay, it's, they're, like, probably understanding it to some degree, because they're like, this guy was gonna die otherwise, but on the other hand, they're like, man, they, if they don't get another mission, they're probably feeling pretty cheated out of Ares 3. Yeah. As, by Ares 3, rather, because of Ares 4. Also, I, I just, uh, I looked up how much it costs to train an American astronaut. Okay. And it is $10 million currently. Is that really all? Right, that's surprising. I would think it'd Actually, be a lot more can. than that. So UK spends 16 million pounds. What? Is it just because we have so, so many that's... resources they come and borrow ours? <laughs> Is that arrogant? Probably. Maybe, but I also think it's probably we have so many resources already existing that, like, basically, we don't Because we have a much cause... older space program. No, I'm saying we probably still have less than, like, 40 astronauts. I, I, I imagine the total list of astronauts is pretty low. But, so there's not only that, but, like... Yeah, but we still have all the same infrastructure, have infrastructure that we've always had. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, like, we started our space program, we spent a lot of money on astronauts, and, like, I'm sure I, a lot of that cost is built into, oh, they're using old equipment, they're using this equipment, and, you know, X, Y, and Z. So, we're, we've been training astronauts for longer, so we've probably streamlined our process. And man hours, too. I wonder how much it costs to train an Apollo astronaut, though, relative to an astronaut today. Or even earlier. That's a good question, actually. Hmm. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> wow, I added something valuable to the conversation. I didn't even add something valuable, I just gave you a valuable lead. <laughs> and Google shall provide. <laughs> Google will add value to this conversation, not us. Welcome to Sci-Fi Sidebar, where we let Google do the work. Yeah, the, the podcast where we search on Google. <laughs> Let's be honest, most podcasts do that. I don't buy for a second that they come up with all the stuff themselves. That's a good point. Well, I mean, that's why I found how to make a website. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Um, so speaking of the sort of pseudo-realistic feeling of the Martian, I think that one thing that felt really unrealistic was the fact that they were actually successful in rescuing Mark. Like, the amount of shit that guy crawled through to get rescued. Like, obviously I wanted him to survive, but I think it would have been a much better book if he had died. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Let's be clear. You didn't, you don't, you wish he had died, you were... For the for the liter- as a reader, you wish he had died. As someone experiencing the story, you uh, I guess you want. Yeah, to I was rooting for him as like Let's a character. You did want him okay, to die. Yes. I wanted <laughs> I wanted him to die because I think it would have been in a weird way more satisfying 
Like, I I guess it's a story about human, like, capability in the face of crisis and what cooperation can achieve, which is beautiful. But for me, it sort of felt like more of a story about the futility of raging against the vastness of space and isolation. Yeah, nope, I totally get that. I was, yeah, I was about to say something like that, yeah, too. Like, it's like, space is dangerous, is a dangerous business. Right. Like, that's a, a fact that every astronaut accepts. We've lost, I don't think, we, other than, I don't think we've lost any astronauts in space. We've lost astronauts on missions, but we've never lost them in space. Yeah, it's true, it's always on Earth-ish. Yeah, it's always, like, re-entry or, like, taking yeah. off. That's where we screw up. But, like, every astronaut goes into space accepting the idea that, yeah, there's a decent chance they'll die. Because think about how many astronauts we've trained. I'm willing to bet the statistic of actually how many astronauts die because of those two missions. I mean, it's just the two missions we've lost, right? Uh, more than that. We lost some early Apollo missions, too. Oh, that's right. Early Apollo. Okay, so, like, say we've lost maybe four missions. I really should know that. Uh, <laughs> We're qualified to talk about as, this. As someone doing this podcast and also like... Do you want me to a, Google that one, Peter? <laughs> yeah, you go ahead and Google that one. My keyboard. Okay. So, no, but like, so there's probably a statistically high number of astronauts we've lost on missions. You know, like, yeah. we don't train that many. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's all relative, isn't it? Yeah, you know, if you lose 10 people, but you have a, you've ever, you've trained 100 in history, yeah, that's 10%. <laughs> that's bad. That's a high attrition rate. For serious... 18 astronauts? Oh, no, that's total. Jesus. That's not just us. Jesus Christ, Wikipedia. <laughs> well, granted, China? only five of them weren't Americans, so that's 13. Well, granted, we do, okay. Um, we do most manned missions. Okay. Granted, yes, this is mostly Challenger and Columbia. There were a lot of people on those missions. It's like five, there were five-man crews, weren't they? Uh, that's actually only in-flight accidents. Uh, let me see. Challenger was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This is fascinating listening, isn't it? Yeah. So seven and six. Well, there there was a, there was a seventh person on Columbia who I guess we're also responsible for, um, an Israeli astronaut. Oh, that, that's our bad Israel. That's, that's on us. Sorry, sorry, Israel. Um. <laughs> oh my God! And then there were a bunch of other ones. Yuri Gagarin right, died. So- Really? In a jet really... trainer incident. That sucks. <laughs> You've been to space, man. <laughs> You have some self-respect, Yuri. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, is it hilarious, Peter? <laughs> it's hilarious what it is. All right, whatever. I'm getting off Wikipedia. Let's Point is, on. we've lost a lot of astronauts. And the percentage and a lot of listeners. Endgame. <laughs> you know what? God willing. Oh my god. Anyway. What what were we even talking about? How Mark Watney should have died. And, and, if Mark didn't die before he got to Hermes, I don't know, I wasn't fully sold on Hermes failing, because they, they, there was like one scene where they talked about all the stuff going wrong on that ship, but I feel like they also pointed out, Hermes is halfway through its alleged lifespan, it's probably gonna be okay. Like, Sure, there's stuff going wrong, but it seemed likely that they would keep it together. But either way, the way the book ends, they leave it open-ended, which makes me feel a little bit better, because I can imagine that everyone died, which isn't as good as just Watney dying, but it satisfies my bloodlust a little bit. <laughs> You're sick, sick. Well, I mean, it's really your bloodlust for a plot armor. Yeah, yeah. Like, Screw plot armor. all plot armor to die. I like devastating books, okay? Sue me. 
yeah. Everyone does. But, Why do you, you think know, Game of Thrones is so popular? Fair point. But, you know, so, like, the reason Mark Wani should have died is because, you know, like, space is dangerous business, like we just talked about for ten minutes. And, you know, like, if he had died, at the end of the day, all of humanity working together, which it ended up being in the book, like, was would not being able to save him is a very poetic ending. Yeah, even with the entire planet and all of its resources and all of its space agencies putting their minds together and trying to save you it's still not a guarantee you're still in really dire straits no matter what yeah you know and look at it this way it's like the uh you know like what hope do we have to actually properly explore space unless we all get together and do it together you know like yeah that's true that's a positive message at, at what point does does like being nasa stop being helpful you know, like NASA, China, Russia, and the UK, like all like the the giants of space, working together. Yeah, no, there's like, a, or not the UK, rather. You know, what I mean the uh, ESA. Yeah, the ESA. European Space Agency uh, for you noobs. God, you suck. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So all those people working together, the giants of space. Like we might accomplish some things, but we'll still fail. So I like. I think it's cool how like if Mark Wani had died, it would show that like, yeah, space is still really dangerous. And we don't have a great shot of succeeding all the time, but, you know, we need to work together to some degree. On the subject of how badly Mark Watney should have died, when do you think the right moment to kill him was? <laughs> there were so many opportunities. I actually made a list of, like, the most devastating moments in the book. All right, so moving on to our next segment, when the main character should have died. <laughs> yeah. uh, if we were writing the book. Oh, all right, um... Mark, I think it's very unlikely Mark Wani would have woken up, to be honest. Like, if we're uh, ignoring the scientific inaccuracy of that storm in the first place, which we'll get to, like, I think he should have died From in the, the sand. From the get, he never should have survived. <laughs> he should have I died in the it. sand. So, no, we've talked about it. Like, Mars is basically a vacuum. Your coagulated blood isn't stopping shit. Yeah, that's true. That's true, fam. Because he, yeah, sure, he did man. pass out. Like, maybe, maybe if he never lost consciousness, okay. He could have, like, oh, patched it quickly enough. Yeah, patch it quickly enough, run back into the half. I would totally be cool with this if he wasn't unconscious. And they don't talk about how long he was unconscious, but the storm was over. So it must have been hours. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> the storm was freaking over, and they were in the heart of the storm. And it took hours to approach. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> no, it's ridiculous. Mark Wani should have died from the When you're right, you're right. He never should have survived. But he never <laughs> yeah. should have been imperiled. Because Mars is basically the word. The word you were trying to say was not imperiled. It was a. You know, imperiled is a word, right? Like you're making a joke. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm making a joke, but I know also know you meant to say. I meant to say imperiled. (laughs) I don't believe you, (laughs) Peter. He was imperiled by the departure of the Mav. He was imperiled by the fact that the storm happened at all. Now it's starting to sound like a bullshit word, but it's a real word, and it means what I meant it to mean. Okay, he was so, put yeah. in danger so, because there was a storm and then Mav was going to tip and they had to abort the mission and a satellite flew off of its stand, its satellite stand and impaled him. Right, well, no, still not the right satellite dish. and intent, Okay. But anyway. Yes. Okay, yes. So. And yes. I'll agree to those. <laughs> <laughs> I'll concede that. So, so wait, no. So, so getting back to that storm though, Mars's atmosphere is a step above vacuum. Yeah. Like, no, it, there's definitely an atmosphere. And it's definitely not technically a vacuum, but it's also basically not 
there, per se. Unless Andy Weir needs it to be a vacuum, not a vacuum, in which case... No, see, that's a good point. Yes. But just, just as a little, um, a little, like, okay, so 160 mile, uh, kilometers per hour, kilometers per hour, because the metric system apparently is something NASA starts using. Thank God. Um, I'm also calling bullshit on that. I don't actually get my news now. I don't know. I think they do use it now. <laughs> I'm not. Well, now NASA. I'm going to Google that while you talk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. Then I'm Googling the atmospheric density. No, you Mars. need to talk. <laughs> well, I know. I'm talking to Google it. I'm very, very talented. I see. So, no, so it comes to the point that, like, if you look at the, the speed of the winds in the book that were, quote unquote, trying to tip the map, it was like 160 kilometers per hour. When you take into account, like, the density of Mars's atmosphere, that's like an. Uh, what was it, like an 18-kilometer-per-hour wind? Like, it's not a serious thing. Yeah, it's real. It's a cool breeze, baby. Yeah, it's just, like, CC and I are recording this, like, on a really windy, like, wintry day. I mean, you okay, guys know about the storm. This winter bomb. Uh, Wait, no. Bomb cyclone. <laughs> bomb cyclone. Oh, my God, they're calling it bomb cyclone. That's worse than the winter cyclone or whatever. You didn't know about bomb cyclone? All the headlines have been right, saying it just because right. it sounds cool. Beside the point. We are moving on. We are I forget on. what the real story So, the is. atmosphere of Mars is 0.00628 atmospheres. <laughs> That's like nothing. <laughs> it's virtually non existent. <laughs> and what is space? Technically, zero atmospheres? I think it's not. Yeah, I mean, like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, In theory? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, a, that's the idea. Oh, God. I typed space, and I got space engineers. I was going to check to see if there was, like, a technical density of space. <laughs> uh, so, anyway. Apparently in 2007, NASA officially went metric. Just oh. so you know. Good, good for them. Actually, that just says for That's all what... operations on the lunar surface. Peter, they're scientists. Like, they, they, they've they technically been metric since the 90s. They just didn't make it official. Okay, wait, wait, wait. So speaking of just them being scientists, right? are we done with the atmosphere and calling out bullshit on the fact that it's ridiculous that that was much of a problem? Yeah, just to summarize, <laughs> the map should never have tipped... The antenna should never have gone flying in impaled Mark, and I guess those are the main points. But still, <laughs> I could I could buy that the antenna broke, that the dish broke, because like the dish is pretty big. I'm imagining, and like it could have caught enough of that weird, weird, shitty wind. But like, okay, I could buy that. But the idea of the antenna going soaring through the non-existent air and cutting through his suit is well, ridiculous. Well, at that point, it had the momentum of its of its mass. So even if it was just sort of floating around, I feel like it could have cut through. No, no, I'm saying, like, I think I could see it tipping and it's snapping, but it would fall Oh, you mean, like, flying around. That's what you don't believe. No, yeah, it wouldn't have gone okay, airborne yes. in the first place. Yes, I agree. Oh, yeah, and the other thing that should never have happened is his um, communication uh, dishes should never have gone missing. Because he basically is like, oh, yeah, the dishes for communication... To straight to Earth from the hab. Oh, okay. Went flying okay, yeah, away. So, so Peter, start your rant. Is that what we're going Yeah, now? we're going there. Okay, Have all fun. right, rant, all right, everyone, everyone, rant on. You can skip to four minutes if you don't want to hear how much bullshit Andy Weir pulled. So, okay, every single Mars rover has been designed to communicate with all the satellites. <laughs> like, at any given time around Mars, there's like 10 or 15 satellites. <laughs> like, we are looking, like, we're peeping Tom the shit out of that planet. And it's ridiculous, and they all can communicate with Earth. Also, all of those rovers communicate with the satellites and Earth. Like, it wasn't like they were trying to only go to satellites. Everyone. They communicate with everyone. Because NASA's like, hmm, you know what's the problem? Failure in communications. <laughs> I know. Let's fix that. You know what's the one thing that could ruin any mission? 
Yeah, not being able to talk to the thing we're yeah. setting. And so, like, I get the idea that it's like, oh, it's a manned mission, the map has all the communications, but, like, what if the map fails in any way, shape, or form? Like, that's my problem with this. The fact that the rovers, which are bigger than the any rover we've sent to Mars, right? The, like, they're, they're basically, like, They're vehicles, yeah. They're trucks. Would, yeah. Yeah, no. They're, like, slightly bigger than the Curiosity rover, which is already the size of, like, a small car. I always think it's so much smaller than that, but go on. Curiosity's huge. I know. Anyway. I know this logically, just so, like, not in my heart. <laughs> in my heart, the Curiosity is a tiny little friend. Adorable, like a dog. <laughs> well, that's Pathfinder. That's uh, Sojourner, actually, so... Oh god, no, pa- Sojourner was in Pathfinder. Yeah. Scrub. Damn. <laughs> I'm an idiot. Oh god. <laughs> Carry on. No, okay, so it wouldn't have been that much actual mass on the rover. It's just be like basically just write a, a routine that can communicate with the satellites, too. Because as we just talked about, there's not a whole lot going on on Mars to stop an antenna, like a radio signal. Right. Like, there's no atmosphere to speak of, and there's certainly no electromagnetic field. It should be real easy. No, it should be like a walkie-talkie. Okay, okay, maybe that's a little exaggeration. <laughs> maybe they should have gotten a cup phone and just sort of... Yeah, maybe we should have tied, tied some strings together and thrown it really There would hard. have had to be a lot of extra string, though. All right, and to be fair, the one thing Mars does have is a, a regular gravity, so... Like, <laughs> we can got. give Mars one thing, it's it's that. <laughs> it's got gravity. <laughs> no, so, like, that that's my problem with it, okay? Okay, wait, this actually se- segues. Why did he have no maps? Yo. <laughs> like, real tall. Wait, I thought he had some maps. Well, okay, he no, only he had, had maps of Acidalia Planitia. He had shitty maps that showed, like, mile-wide craters, and that was it. <laughs> yeah. CC, I was reading something about how fast Mar- we're updating uh, map data for Mars. Yeah. We'll see a crater that's a meter wide within a day. Like, if a new thing hits Mars that's a, that creates a meter-wide crater in the ground, oh, we'll oh, see, see it in saying. a day's time. Oh, hot damn. So, like, screw you, Andy Weir, okay? Because this is just data. If they could take thumb drives, they could have spared, you know, a gigabyte for high-res scans of the entire planet. Like, data's cheap and light. That's the only thing Mars can send, or not Mars, NASA can send basically anything it wants. This is a stupid thing to call bullshit on, but why didn't Mark have any of his own entertainment? Why was Commander Lewis's entertainment the only one he partook of? Also, why did they bring such shitty entertainment? <laughs> It was, like, Please literally only people. whatever Commander, Commander Lewis liked. Was she the only one who had enough space on her flash drive to bring TV shows and music? Oh, she had all the music. I know, yeah. And all the TV well, shows. German. To be fair, okay, like, vocals, vocals is German. Sure. Fine. And he said that Beck only brought papers, which I'm... No. Yeah, I don't care how much of a super journals. nerd you are. You do not only bring what? medical journals to Mars. And they're not even going to be up to date. What's the point of reading them? By the time you get back to Earth, they're going to be like a year and a half old. Yeah, you'll be killing people in hospitals. Medical science changes every day, Beck. What are you doing? No, like, I'm sure Beck was reading lots of journals on the way back, but there's not a chance in hell he was like, hmm, I gotta catch up with my periodicals. <laughs> Let me see what's in the BMJ from a year ago. <laughs> The, no, the one thing I find totally accurate is that Johansson had two things, and that was a big code, or a, a hexi key, or a hexi, uh... Table. A hexi key. Yeah, a hexi key table, or whatever it was called. Hex, hexadecimal. Hex, yeah, sure, that's it. So, a hexadecimal <laughs> table Hex-des, and romance novels. I, I totally believed that. That was realistic. Yeah, to me. well, she is a programmer. She has romance novels and a hexadecimal table. <laughs> what else does she need? That's awesome. But, like, you know, ebooks, though. For I like real. the Poirot. Like, Whoever you... brought the Poirot, that was a good call. 
All right, true. But like, let's say you get a gigabyte. Okay. Yeah. You know how much I can fit in a gigabyte? It just ebooks. I just fit thousands of right? ebooks. I would totally go most efficient and just bring tons of books. Like all the books I said yeah. I was going to read and never have. Also, you understand I'd that bring, the, like if like I had more piece. Like, <laughs> okay, he described it as a thumb drive. You know how big of a thumb? I was online the other day. I found a 512 gigabyte thumb drive for like under a hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean this is like I could bring my movie collection. Listen, this is extremely nitpicky, but it's annoying. <laughs> oh my god! Because every time he's like, "All I've got is he disco spent so much time novels. talking about disco <laughs> and <laughs> shitty seventies sitcoms." Mark, maybe if you had a sense of humor, or maybe if you enjoyed music at all before, and you decided, hmm, that's a convenient thing to bring to Mars. <laughs> you know what? Maybe you would be fine. Why didn't you want to be the first guy to ever play ACDC on the Red Planet, huh? What's wrong with you? <laughs> you're trying to be like, you're so cool, but you're not. Yeah. No, you we're on your nothing, game. You brought nothing, apparently. <laughs> Why don't you have a personality, Mark Watney? He's like, oh no, my thumb drive got impaled when I got impaled. <laughs> that's why I have to listen to disco all the time. <laughs> Mark Watney, the only entertainment Mark Watney loves is himself. That's my explanation. Mark Watney just loves himself. Mark Watney's like, I'm the only funny person. The end. <laughs> Alright, also, what did Martinez have? They never talk about Martinez, they just cut up his yeah, All they know about just Martinez is that he's Catholic and he has a kid and a wife. Yeah, and he talks, like, any, they, like, I feel like the, I'm just listening to the audiobook version of it, but, like, I feel like it was not an okay thing. The accent they did. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I, that's right. a real. That's like a whole conversation about whether or not audiobook performers should actually use accents. My favorite one is from Percy Jackson, where they randomly made Annabeth's stepmom Asian for no reason, <laughs> like racistly oh Asian. <laughs> but right, that's right. really, that's really far I off track. Oh my god, it's not even the right genre. You could almost not hear of... her talk anyway. It was bad. It was real bad. All right, moving on. <laughs> so, um, what else we got? What else do we what got? What else we got, co- main host. Are we, are we just... You're the main host. I'm the main host, but I said co-host. Yeah. No, we talked about this. You're the one that's supposed to keep us oh, on track. Oh, God. Okay. Um... Oh, wait. I got something. <laughs> Thank God. Right. Yeah, because you have nothing. I was cool. Googling for next topic. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. <laughs> oh, God. Go on. All right. So, anyway. I really, really, really loved the part when they talked about getting the tie-in shim probe like that whole story part like yes. the story the whole arc of the story yes. was awesome to me oh my god yes it was really like, interesting one of the most realistic parts i feel like oh actually yeah if i had to guess that's probably my most realistic part they did it like a scientist is a scientist no matter where you find them yeah it was that was like oh that was the most beautiful and like oh yeah it was awesome. that conversation i feel like is where the ethical dilemma of saving watney comes to a head like because they make this really beautiful point of saying this Taiyang Shen probe w- was designed to collect data that nobody had collected before and that was going to be totally original and illuminating and important to science, monumental to science, because it was a wildly expensive probe. Tons of years of work and money went into it, and it was just a huge deal. And by giving that booster to the Americans to save Watney, they knew that they were basically giving up on that mission. And sure, they got an astronaut on Mars as payback, but that astronaut couldn't do anything that any other astronaut could do. Yeah, no, I wish I had the quote in front of me, but I'm actually on the book. But, like, the, <laughs> um, the, he- the head of the Chinese space agency, I don't know any names, his name, or the space agency's name, uh, probably the People's Space Agency or something. They call it the CNSA or... in the movie, but I don't know if that's real or not. Chinese national service. I believe that. Okay, so anyway. Wait, why would it be an American acronym? Wait a second. Why would it be an English? Wait a second. 
<laughs> Andy. <laughs> no, that was the movie. That wasn't him. I don't think he ever said it. He might have said it. I didn't pay attention. Anyway, wait, so moving on. Um, no, the, the fact that he was like, yeah, uh, I think he said basically exactly like what science could our astronaut bring back from Mars that anyone else couldn't have done. Like, this is a, a net gain for Mark Watney, but it's a net loss for humanity. Yeah, that was the quote. That part, specifically. That, was, was that, part that, that last quote was actually correct, and I thought that was super it was, cool. Yeah, it was actually beautifully kinda, put. kind of gave me chills. Because he wasn't saying, like, I don't want Watney to survive. Like, obviously, because he's the one who made the call. Like, China had an out. I think they could have not said anything, and nobody would have known. But they did it because they were good people and wanted to help. But, like, it was clearly a bittersweet moment for them. When they sent the Taiyang Shen probe away. No, no, yeah, he said, like, I'm happy Mark Watney, like, I'm very happy we were able to help save Mark Watney. What cost? At the end of the day, humanity's lost. Absolutely. That's so sad. And that's a very cool idea, because, like, what brings us back to the cost of saving Mark Watney? Like, it cost, we looked it up, it cost, like, 10, let's say 10 to 20 million dollars to train an astronaut. Let's, you know what? Let's even call 30 million to say they went through extra training for the Mars mission. No, it was ten. Oh, it was always ten. Oh, I thought you said two. That's why I was so shocked. No, ten makes sense. No dummy. Okay. Um, anyway, so let's say it's like fifteen to twenty to, to thirty million somewhere in that window. Hell, call it thirty. Like I'm sure the Taiyin Shen probe cost like a hundred million dollars. Oh yeah, at least. Like it's this is tons of money we're talking. I mean, about. and they were getting paid back for it, but just like that's then cost to NASA and the fact that the uh, Taiyin Shen team knew that they weren't going to get the funding again. To, to redo the project. And also, like... Okay, wait, no. Actually, this is a complaint about this part of the book, which is going to be kind of a shocker for you. But mm-hmm. here's my question. Why was NASA not like, hey, buddy, how about we, like, arrange, you know, a, a, let's work together and build a new rock, a new, a new booster? Because they still had the probe. Yeah, no, like, totally. They the wouldn't have had to restart gonna... the entire project. No, so, yeah, they needed to buy a new booster, which they said was the more expensive part of it, and totally on board with that. But why was NASA like, all right, let's pay them back the money, but, like... You know, that probe's, like, a good thing we need to get out there. Like, I think the the next step for that, and the thing that maybe they didn't talk about because that's not the focus of the book, but I think a totally realistic next part of the book would have been, like, okay, NASA and the Chinese Space Agency were, like, starting this new era of cooperation <laughs> and uh, building, building a new booster. The sequel is book. just, like, a technical manual of <laughs> the new Taiyang Shens. I'd read it. I would. It'd be great. <laughs> Read that sun data. Uh, that's because we're nerds. Well, so. okay. But who among us isn't, I'm assuming, listenership? It's true. We are running this sci-fi podcast. So niche. Um, anyway. <laughs> Wait. So you were supposed to come up with the next topic. <laughs> what did you say? You were supposed to come up with the next topic. Remember why, why I stalled? Gotcha. Gotcha. I still want to talk about all the times Mark Watney should have died, but that's just me. All right. When, wait, wait, wait. When do you think Mark Watney should have died? Also, your blood dust must be sated. <laughs> Okay, so... <laughs> what's, the, what's the one time you think you should have died and why? There we go. I think the least likely part of his survival story is the getting of the MAV to space. And anything that went along with that, that rendezvous. Literally just the whole Like, literally deal. all of that. Like, I think Lewis would have gone to pretty extreme lengths to save Watney. I don't think she would have blown an airlock. Like, that's crazy to me. That is crazy town. Yeah. And, and the fact that they're like, you know what? You don't need... <laughs> you don't need protection in the cabin because, again, we've decided that Mars is a vacuum and not normal air at- Earth atmosphere levels. <laughs> like, you really oh, went no, back no, and forth fact- on that one. 
The fact that they're like, oh yeah, there's barely an atmosphere anyway, so this convertible top is fine. I'm calling yeah, that rag bullshit top. that there's there's no need for the rag top. The... <laughs> there's no atmosphere. Either it wasn't good enough or it was super unnecessary to begin with. Like, it's no, gotta like be one or the by, other. If we're going by Andy Weir's weird pseudo- Pseudo-atmosphere. About the atmosphere, yeah, about how, like, how his, he has a non-Newtonian atmosphere- and when the plot needs it, it thickens. <laughs> well, like, you know what? The, I think the best thing he does is he's so good at building tension through techno babble. Like I, I always think about when the hab breach, which I, I wrote it on my list of top devastating moments in the book, <laughs> where Mark Watney should have died. Yeah, moments where, also known as moments where Mark Watney should have died is when the hab breached. Not specifically then, but as a result of that, I, I believe that he could have gotten himself like gotten the hab repaired and everything. That's fine. I'll go with that. But like. The the I'll, I'll admit this into my lexicon, but my point is that um, the way he built up to that moment with the sort of talking about like the life of the hab canvas and like what it had gone through up until that moment, it was like you're reading the book and you're like, oh my god, why is he telling me this? What's about to happen? <laughs> like it's so terrifying. <laughs> that oh, and then the other time he does it really well is when the rover flipped. Which is definitely a time Mark Watney should have died. How did any of that hold? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you know what? I'm a little bit against you on that one. I guess, honestly. okay. I guess they built the rovers pretty hardy. The ro- yeah, the rovers were built to not necessarily flip, per se, but, like, they didn't want to, like, the stupid reason that this mission ended because the rover freaking flipped and the roof cracked open. Like an egg. Yeah. Like, I- I'm totally on board with his rover being fine. I'm less so on board with, like, the atmospheric radiation. Yeah, all that being stuff fine. being okay. Like, not just that that, that rover's, like, also, again, a ragtop was, you know, didn't pop, oh, but the fact that all that I think equipment co- <laughs> was totally undamaged. Let's be clear. Not only was it a ragtop, but it was an inflated ragtop. <laughs> inflated ragtop. <laughs> Even worse than the eventual MAV that he rode to orbit. Right. Um, yeah, that's kind of BS, honestly. <laughs> like... What was it? How did the fact that like because it said he said in the book when he was describing it, he said and I didn't actually watch the movie recently, but I'm assuming it looked like it too. But like it was inflated, like it was a balloon. Yes, absolutely. No, so yeah, and I can't imagine the hab cam was just built like a latex balloon. Like it's not expanding. Like whenever like if I push on it, it's not like oh cool, I'll just move this one. Uh, like that's not a thing. I mean, it's canvas, right? Which isn't that stretchy. It's not stretchy, but it, it's not stiff. No, here's what I'm saying though. Like, say it was inflated to have a certain square footage, right? Yeah. And it rolls on its side, and it's pushing. Like, now the atmosphere inside there is probably, like, 1.2, 1.4. Okay. You know, like, the atmosphere rose. The balloon did not expand on the sides to accommodate the increase, like, the decrease on the top. Oh, I see you know? what you're saying. Maybe. Yeah. I'm just saying the structural integrity, I don't care how much glue he used on. Also, I don't, I don't think he had that much glue. <laughs> Let's be honest, Mark Watney. Do we know your glue supplies? Yeah, no, I didn't get a leader count on your glue. I think because Andy Weir was like, mm, We need more glue. This is going to be a <laughs> Oh, God, no. This mission more needs gl- more glue. NASA sent a probe, but all that survived was the glue. <laughs> like, wait, 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 wait. I just had a thought about all of this. Mm-hmm. What? Okay. <laughs> so, Why did I have, I have so much pencil? to say about Hermes. But so, just focusing in on the Hermes flyby of Mars, why did Mark need to meet them? Why couldn't they drop a resupply from there? I think at that point they were Maybe like, Maybe they need well, to be in orbit. Maybe this is a stupid idea. 
No, I know. I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I think that one, getting a re-entry system or something resembling there in place. Like, I think yeah, okay. that... Yeah. I think, like, having something to make it relatively survivable when you hit the ground. Also, like, they lost communication. So, like, at that point, you know, they need to drop communication equipment, not just food. Right? Because when they were thinking about just sending the food and doing the crash probe, that was back when Mark One had communication. And they already said that's not going to work anyway. Right. So I think that's probably why. I think they would enough have time to either build a re-entry thing and also, like, at that point, Hermes needs to go back for major yard repairs. Okay, I'll buy that. Right? And it probably wasn't going to drop enough food for Hermes. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so Hermes. There's, I feel like, a gold mine about Hermes. First of all, how do you feel about the decision to keep the Hermes 3, or, excuse me, the Ares 3 crew in the dark about Watney surviving? Um, it makes total sense. Really? Do you think NASA would actually do it? Yeah, think about how many servicemen are on that. Two, like the commander and the pilot were both servicemen. Wait, what's on your point? Hand, how does that relate? In? So on one hand, and like they weren't like they were serious. Like you know, she was a in the, she was a navy pilot. He was an air force pilot. I think that to some degree there is the there is the fact that yeah, okay, they're military and they'll follow orders. But on the other hand, like I think. The uh, commander, elite. like I think they would have handled it better, but I think if they were like, no, we, like we don't have a rescue. If they were told basically from the start, like when they didn't have a rescue plan, and there was a chance that maybe they, there was the question that maybe they don't make one, like there was that question. Yeah, that's true. I think that's the time when uh, Commander Lewis and Martinez would have been way less okay with that because, like, at the end of the day, like for especially for Lewis, like that's losing a someone under her command, which is something. Let's think about. She's probably never had to do before. She was a naval aviator. Naval aviators have very little, like, aviators, period, have very few people actually under their command. That's true. I never thought about that. I'm assuming she was Do you know she was pilot. a pilot? I'm assuming, um, I'm assuming they don't really pick astronauts that aren't pilots. Most astronauts come from pilot programs. Okay, fair enough. Um, from At least I know, I know that for a fact from Air Force. She might have been Martinez's yeah, backup, too. Like, I know that there's definitely two pilots on the uh, mission. Yeah, no, I... So it uh, makes sense that she's the second, because she's the only other service person. Yeah, Exactly. So it would make that she, it makes sense that she's the second because she would be just a good alternative. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. Isn't Vogue Vogel the backup? He's the astronaut. He's the backup um, EVA specialist. Oh, he's the backup EVA specialist. Okay, cool. I thought they mentioned something about him being the backup uh, pilot. Anyway, um, stop being wrong. All right, sorry. That's my bad. <laughs> your bad. Thank you. I'm still I'm still calling you out on the. Uh, in, imperiled part earlier anyway i i meant to say it <laughs> yeah it's easy if, if, if nothing else it was bad podcasting because that's poor use of language because that sounds like a <laughs> only if you're stupid and can't follow my rhetoric anyway no one can follow your rhetoric excuse you that's because i'm a genius but the point is um so hermes okay i i guess i sort of buy that that they wouldn't tell them it seems like difficult but i can see them censoring all the uh all the information um the other thing about hermes though is so when they get the rich pernell maneuver from nasa i guess did they know about the taiyang shen resupply plan it's not clear that they did and when i initially read it i was like did they like is he not telling them about the alternative because mitch is acting like oh they made an informed decision they know that this is the best thing for watney it's commander lewis's call blah 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 but it didn't really seem like they knew that there was another option for saving watney even if they didn't think it would work no i think they okay wait so don't the, the rich parnell movement right that was snuck in they knew there was a plan 
back when the plan was to send like good communication supplies and all that. Right. They knew about that plan. The but, Iris uh, plan, you mean? Uh, or do you mean the Taiyang Shen plan? Uh, no, they knew, well, they knew about the Iris Happy. plan. They also knew about the Iris 2, the original plan to make it a crash program. Okay, okay, they did know. Right. It, I guess I should assume that just because they were in touch with NASA about the plans, but like, I don't know. Right, yeah, no, well, some of this is based on assumptions, but I'm almost sure that they knew about the crash probe plan, which obviously they talked about, um, oh god, what was his name? Uh, the flight controller. Mitch Henderson. Mitch Henderson? Yeah. Okay, so, they talked about, he talked about, with, uh, NASA about how, like, he said, I think their quote is, like, the crash probe, does anyone actually think that's gonna work? Like, there was obviously some real doubts, and you were talking about sending a probe to impact with the ground at hundreds of meters per second. Yeah, that's probably not going to go super <clears throat> duper great. Doesn't seem very optimistic. Yeah, exactly. So, like, I think the re- I think that plan came developed when they decided to make it a crash probe. They weren't able to worry about make the deadline and worry about reentry stuff. Is when he decided to slip in that uh. That yeah, when, when the Taiyang Shen plan became, like, less and less likely to work, <laughs> basically. Yeah, exactly. As with every element that made it less likely to work. Yeah, as they took more and more really, really critical shit out of the Iris 2, he was going, hmm, okay, cool. Yeah, no, we're definitely gonna break some rules here. Like, and at the end of the day, it became way more routine, because they just used the boost. Well, one, that's actually another, you know, another sad thing about the Taiyang Shen booster, like, that booster that was meant to do such great things just ended up be doing a, a milk run to orbit. Oh, that's so sad. It went and got close. Also, I'm calling BS that there was nothing else available. But anyway. No, it made sense that they had to use the Taiyang Shen because the point was that it was powerful enough to get up to speed with Hermes. Uh, okay, that's a good other, point. Other resupply probes would only get up to, like, orbital speed. But but if we're sending shit to orbit, like, and we're sending shit to Mars, is what I'm saying, are you seriously telling me that we don't have, like, a, a replacement for the shuttle program available. I have no idea how fast shuttles could get, but I'm assuming you could do something appropriate. As fast as... as a flyby? I don't I know. I think that's I really I fast. Like, I don't know how fast, but I think it's really effing fast. That's my sort right. of estimate. Well, that's a good number. That's a good... That's, that's a great Does that help so, you visualize better? So, no, yeah, now I see... Actually, I see more lines whooshing behind me. <laughs> In I your mind, the eye. it's going yeah. now. Good, I'm glad I could help. So, alright, gotcha. Alright, so I, I guess that makes sense. So it uses its ridiculous booster size to get it. To yes. Anyway, but I think that was, like, what what Mitch did to make it, like, way more likely, because it was just now getting into orbit and connecting with the Hermes probe. It's a lot simpler mission. Or not the Hermes probe, the Hermes ship, yeah. I guess. And I, I yeah, I think it probably simpler. gave JPL more time, like, a little bit more time to get it together. I mean, regardless, like, maybe, but also, like... Didn't have like oh we can launch an these for three days. It was oh we have to launch this day or Hermes is gone. Okay, what about Plan B for Hermes? Oh, when they eat. Yeah, people? when Johansson eats the crew. I think that's nuts. You don't think that's like realistic, do you? I think it's a realistic thing to come from a serviceman. That just brings back the serviceman. I think that like that is mission. So like you saying um, you think it would come from Lewis, but not NASA. I think it would come from Luis or Martinez. I don't think NASA would have given, given that order. I think they probably would, I think maybe they would have said, hey, Commander Lewis, the, you know, do what it takes to keep as many of you alive as possible and left the rest to her because that's, you know. And not ask someone, questions. Yeah, no, well, if you're giving someone command of a, of a sh- basically, it, what it is, is an interplanetary human exploration ship, this, should a vessel. There we go. Got the English out there. 
then they've got to have an extreme amount of trust in their judgment and she'll make the trust that she'll make the right call at the time. What kind of a shell of a person would Johansson have been when she got back to Earth? I think about that all the time. Oh my god. Because Johansson was like a very mom. She's a computer specialist. She was like, she, yeah, she's in, by all accounts, she was mild mannered, nice, young, like not at all like a kind of hardcore person that would do what it takes to survive. Yeah, I don't think she had sort of the Watney survival drive. I don't think I. Would, I, I sure I as hell do don't. I would probably oh, no. I have overdosed like, on morphine on Soul Six. Just been like, oh well, as Watney, absolutely. Yeah. I would not have survived that. Yeah, I mean, and also if I as had communication with NASA, <laughs> if all my coworkers like. We're going to kill ourselves, um, eat us, and get home. I would have been like, nah, <laughs> I'm good. Although she no. said she'd do it because she told her dad about it. I, I think at that point, I think the only, like, and it's true for me too, I guess, like, the only thing that could possibly get me home is, like, you know, I can't let my family go through that. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, that's too horrible of a thing to imagine. Because not only do you think your child die or, or your sibling die, well, she was an old child, but, like, in our, in our perspective at least. But, like, they died hundreds of thousands, millions of miles away in a spaceship alone. But there's this beautiful scene in the movie where Watney, because you know how in the book Watney, like, emails Martinez and says, like, can you talk to my parents if I die? They sort of expanded in the Mm -hmm. movie, and he's talking to Lewis about, like, all the stuff he wants to say to them. Just that, like, he loves what he does, and he can live with his fate because he's dying for something so big and important and beautiful. And it's, it's really lovely, and I can see that sort of mentality being kind of the only comfort. And Johansson could have said the same thing and just not eaten her crewmates. Like, I'm not throwing shade for her willingness to do this, like, kudos, but oh my god, what a bonkers will plan. Yeah, but it's, it is not something I could It's not done. something I could have I mean, done. Because honestly, if it was like, hey, <clears throat> okay, well, alright, so let's, let's throw it out to, like, real, real quick, uh, throw to enters the game like get to the shadow of the giant and all like when he talked about hey just put my body in like with the algae and they'll turn me into meat or whatever yeah i could do that but it's not like hmm all right let me go well he was also dying of old age of- he wasn't killing right, himself go- so that you could eat right. him all right no i'm talking about the okayness of eating someone you mean like, not having to be the person who literally butchers them and like takes them apart and puts them in the freezer yeah, or like, you know, even that, even just like, alright, I'm gonna put, um, you know, Lewis and Vogel and Martinez in this airlock and open it up, like, invent the air or whatever, because there's no better preservative. Be like, going, alright, cool, I think I'm gonna go grab Lewis's shoulder today. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's one or the other, right? You're either taking it apart or you're just doing it as you go. Yeah, I know, I'm not sure which one's more terrible. They're both pretty terrible. Yeah, that's one thing I could like, never do to survive. Like, I don't... Honestly, I don't think that there's much that I would do to survive in a really dire situation. <laughs> I would just be like, I've had a good life. I'm sorry for all my loved ones who wished I had fought more, but I'm done. <laughs> I'm first to the pillbox, not... baby. <laughs> I'm not sure what you, who you guys thought I was, but... That ain't no, me! CC, I know. If I ever like was like, oh, um, you know, CC was in another country and they had a revolution, I'd be like, well, bye, CC. It was a really nice story. Yeah, I, loved I don't you. think anyone expects me to survive in a dire situation like that. I really don't. Which oh, is God, fine. No, not me either. Albert I mean, would be disappointed in mom. me, but he can live. He'll deal. Yeah. Get him a therapist. Albert, your husband, would, Albert, your husband would only be disappointed. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, damn it, Cece. Again? <laughs> Come on, Cece. Again? Did you say again? How many times this happened to you? another disappointment. <laughs> this is the latest in a lifelong string of disappointments. <laughs> Maybe it's better this way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. 
I'm a great anyway, wife, to, to, Totally. It's like, but we digress, digress. <laughs> I don't even know what we're talking about I mean, anymore. Yes. Putting the sidebar in sci-fi sci-fi. Yeah, for reals. Um, point is, Johansson, that sucks, and I'm sorry. Point is, way more people should have died in the story. <laughs> yeah. That's what we're getting at. I mean, Everyone actually, should be dead. to be fair, I do believe that they didn't botch the Hermes resupply. Because that's like oh, I'm sure they would pull that off. I'm willing to bet they're, you know, that's, that's real routine, except that, as you point out, they're going real fucking fast, as you put it so scientific. scientific yeah, no, that's true. Okay. That's true. That's the only real wrench in the plan. But now working for NASA, I don't have an idea how much that would screw things up. <laughs> not, not knowing how orbital dynamics works. Exactly. Okay, and here's I, I, the other thing. I totally agree that, that, like, Hermes would have been fine. Like, yeah, there would have been some things that broke down early. Like, you know, they would have figured things out, though, because astronaut crews are highly capable, to say the least. So I totally believe that Hermes would have survived on its way back, and that would have been fine. Um, psychological effects of that long of a mission? Oh, wait, here's the other thing. Cancer. Oh my god, they have so much cancer. But you don't believe that there's enough shielding on Hermes? Oh god, no. To, That's so for, much cancer. For a double mission to make the difference between no cancer and tons of cancer? I, yeah, no, I, I don't. Wait, so the article I was reading, um, you know, the science of... Uh, of of this shit because we're not really smart. <laughs> we just pretend. So we just mostly just tell you about things that we read. Yes. But I, okay, so one Mars has like literally no uh, orbital or, or orbital magnetic field. Right? Yes. Like doesn't do, not a thing. Okay. Right. And so they talk about how the Mav shields him from all that, or not the Mav, the Hab. Yes. I'm not totally on board with Hab Canvas being that radiation proof i mean it's necessary right like in order for us to send any kind of manned mission to mars we have to invent that straight up right every plan for a manned mission to mars includes hiding in a cave really yeah that's the current plan or like early at early colonies absolutely i did not know that a cave and seal the entrance (gasps) really and it might not the just like sticking up like a pop-up airlock (laughs) no like literally that like sealing it like digging it like uh like embedding it in the rock the rock because you know mars has rock yes it's basically I all familiar. and th- and that's about it that's really smart i never thought about that use the environment baby that's the best engineering yeah, that's no. my favorite kind of engineering <laughs> the good kind yeah. the good kind <laughs> yeah so i mean I, that didn't bother me because i hadn't thought about that other alternative all right so we're getting pretty uh pretty pretty far. long so like unless you have anything major to say i have one final point i want to bring up um just I kind of want to talk real briefly about the decision of NASA originally to not do the uh, the Rich Purnell maneuver. I feel like, so this is just me uh, tossing in some terms I've learned on the internet. Um, I think it's called inaction bias. It's sort of the same thing that motivates people to not vaccinate their kids. The idea that the, the route that Hermes was on was to come home and they weren't going to touch Hermes. Like, they were going to leave that alone. And um, the idea of making a decision to involve Hermes in this rescue and endangering five more lives, even though it's a much, much less danger than the danger that Mark Watney was in with not doing the Rich Purnell maneuver, <clears throat> because they'd have to actively decide to do it, it was, like, way harder to, to make that decision. Do you know what I mean? No, yeah, but, like, that, you know... I think that's a the fact of working in a large organization that has to make those decisions. Like, I mean, bring it back to the military. The military makes those decisions, choosing maybe we 
save one life and maybe we like risk a much more. But actually, the, when the military makes a decision, they frequently choose to do a smaller risk to several people. Really? Is that true? Yeah, so I was reading an art, interesting article, but I forget her name, but it was a, a, a young soldier. She was captured in the early days of the wars in the early 2000s. Okay. And they, she was captured for like a, a, uh, six months a year. I forget how long she was in captivity. It was a very long time, though, to be a POW in those conditions. Right. And they ended up finding out um, she was hurt. I forget how she got hurt. Um, but she ended up in a hospital that was completely under uh, terrorist control. Basically. Oh, my God. And... And she was in the hospital, and but one of the people, but like they still have civilian staff working there. So one of the civilians had seen her and had walked to the near to the the American oh Ford operating God. base and told them where she was. But then what does the military do? It sent them the SEAL team in <laughs> and like armored convoy, and you know, and that was the military making a very like making a snap decision, saying we're going to put no, we're like we're these at. lives at risk to save her life. I mean, bringing bringing people home is one hundred percent a thing the military does military like talks about that all the Number time one. whether it's history whether it's current like oh, well, there's a phrase that you learn in basically every level like heck even like even you know the things i do like that aren't even aren't even real like we still have it pounded into us where it's like mission first people always <laughs> that that idea is very common and so the military who has to make these similar decisions would totally risk the whole crew that's interesting i think it's a very cool so idea. do you think nasa would have done it you know what no, like NASA's risking the crew. They're risking the Hermes. That's a lot of because they're not the, the military. The day, like they're not the military. At the end of the day, NASA is scrap like scraping and desperately trying to claw its way to be able to do the mission that it's been assigned to with its resources. And I think that's a huge loss of resources they would not risk. Yeah, not only would they risk the crew and the Hermes, they also get less out of it in general because Wani. Like, they were saying, oh, Watney's, like, our best bonus Mars time that we've had in ages, and Watney was, like, collecting samples and doing all the science work. None of that came with him, so they lost all that, too. I mean, I know it's, like, small in comparison, but they didn't even really get the bonus science from it all. They really got nothing. Yeah. Except for their astronaut yeah, and, back alive. And, you know what, and who they're never going to set up anyway, so they're not getting out of him anyway. But like, he will be an enormous speaking. resource to NASA. Well, he will be a national hero, and if they're smart, they'll send him straight to Congress and say, give NASA more. Yeah, money. absolutely. But, you know, I'm just, I'm not sure. Because, like, think about it, like, in two, you know, in six years, like, the, the hype will die down. That's the problem with, you know, pop culture. Right. Like, right now, he's a pop culture icon. It's cool to wear a Mark Watney t-shirt or whatever. Totally. Like, hashtag save Mark Watney is trending. But, you know, think about five, ten, fifteen years people are going to maybe know more Guani's name, but from history books and from classes, not from, you know, the, the news. 100%. His fame would definitely be fleeting. His fleeting flame is not going to help. Well, fleeting flame works <laughs> Please, too. fleeting it's flame. It's not going to help. It's not going to help. I'm sure he'll have a lot of fleeting flames once he makes it back to work. Oh, I'm sure he will. <laughs> so, no, the point is, like, NASA would, I don't think, like, I think at this point, like, NASA's desperately calling for money, and that's not real money they have in the pocket. Whereas all this extra money they're spending right now is... Right. Like, I bet NASA blew their budget for several other missions trying to get Mark Watney back. Yeah, I agree. And maybe he helps them get back. Like, economics speaking, makes no sense. And here's the other thing. All that science he was doing, right? Like, this is the best bonus Mars time we've got in years, yeah. right? Okay. I think Mark Watney would have done that. Like, if, if they were like, listen, Mark, we can't get you. Oh, yeah. Like, this just isn't an option. I think Mark would have been like, well, hmm, don't particularly want to die quite yet leave a legacy and at least like, All right. 
Yeah, cool. So, like, Mark Wanning could have, like, done his nomad shit and, like, collected every, like, the greatest collection of samples of Mars has ever Take seen. Take that curiosity. Get to, get to Ares 4. Go ahead, drop that in a bucket. Right? Yeah. Ares 4 gets there. Oh, sick. And then, you know, they can do their mission, and now we have samples from almost all of, like, like not almost all, but, like, a significant portion of Mars. And Mark Watney's dead body staring at them. And Mark Watney's just sitting there giving them the fingers as well. <laughs> he would, too. Oh, he totally would. He did it. He already did it in one of the pictures. <laughs> uh, so, like, that's my point. Yes. All right. Um, now, the last thing I wanted to talk about, real brief, because we are way over time. Yes. Is the, uh, like, how this, I want to, like, commend Andy Weir, and I think it's kind of true to his background of how well people handle situations in this book. So, like, the culture, I guess. So, like, uh, Commander Lewis said it really well, where she said, you know, work the problem. Mm, I love that. Like, that is a constant idea. And, like, most of them are either engineers, scientists, or military personnel by trade. Yes. Right? So, those three things, working the problem, is inherent to their careers. Absolutely. You know, Mark immediately sat down. He was like, oh, shit, I got left behind. This sucks. Cursed for a while. Okay, cool. Work the problem. Yeah. 100%. Every time something bad happened to him, that's what happened. And then you look at NASA and JPL, right? NASA's clean starch suits. NASA's, you know, being administrative and all that. And then, like, you go to JPL, and they're wearing, like, sweatpants and t-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, like, that's what, that how that works. That is the culture of American science and space. That's really true. That's really true. And I think um, that sort of complete faith in your ability to overcome a problem is something that is really unique to, I guess, well, not unique to, but important for astronauts and engineers who are going to be in these sorts of situations. So I thought that that was sort of the flip side of what you were saying. Also important. Sorry, I lost completely my phrasing yeah. there. At, <laughs> at one point, no, it's like, oh, it's cool, though. Because like at one point, JFK was like, hey, guys, we're going to the moon. Right. And everyone's like, what the fuck is this guy talking yeah, about? Yeah, you, know, you have to be able to believe that you can do it, essentially. Yeah, the first step to the... To because, like, you know, it's ridiculous. The idea right now of putting people on Mars, barely even an idea that we can really think Let about. alone, like, in this century. Well, I think that's a little... Okay, in this first half of the century. But everyone's plans well, are in the first the... half of the century. I think we can get people on Mars by 2050. I don't think it'll be, like, a colony. I think maybe we can get a colony around before I die. I like to think so, too, yeah. Not, like, a serious colony, but, you know... I, I'm kind A of permanent, like, like scientific expedition. More than 100 people with the intention of living. I kind of think of it as being, like... I feel like first it's going to be sort of like the um, International Space Station of Mars. Oh, that like, sort of... Of Mars. Culture. Yeah, where it's, like, perma- it's a permanent installation and the crew rotates. And comes from I all think, sorts of places and all sorts of expertise. Do you mean, like, it's actual space station? Or do you mean, like... It's no, 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 a colony. on the ground. Yeah, I mean... Oh, wait, no, bad news. I was going to say, maybe we can figure out space planes. Oh, wait, no, there's no freaking atmosphere. Andy Weir. <laughs> that makes me so mad. Except when there is. Except when there is. <laughs> Mars has no benefits. Mars is a real bitch to land on. <laughs> it's like, I don't have atmosphere, but I do have 0.7G. So have fun Fuck with you. that. <laughs> yeah, really enjoy absolutely that Absolutely nothing guys. to slow you down. Yeah, I'm the worst. I mean, like, you look at uh, every other probe, they bounced. But the... Curiosity, and just, you know, here's a little science segue. Um, segue? Curiosity landed with uh, retrograde propulsion. Retrograde propulsion. Yeah, it was called the Sky Crane. <laughs> what? That's awesome. 
<laughs> Go yeah, on. No, it had this. It had this platform above it, right? Okay. That um, shot rockets to slow it down. Are you serious? And then lowered Curiosity on cables. That's awesome. Now Curiosity landed in a fucking cool way because it was too heavy for uh, for bouncers. It couldn't be a, or a tumbler, they called it. I I never knew that. That's really interesting. I wrote our paper on it. It's very cool. Dang. Curiosity is, yeah, unfortunately, the plutonium we use for Curiosity and we use for some of our long range probes, we're like running out of. Oh, really? Oh, no, yeah. So, like, these ideas of like, um, oh, that's one of the main science things I have against it. They uh, talk about the uh, RTG, yeah. right? That plutonium, not a thing we have a lot of. Really? We have very little of it, actually. Like, on Earth or in NASA's hands? In, Amer- in human hands. There might be it somewhere, maybe we're going to have some size in the next 30 years, but the, the using that was creative and also not very accurate. <laughs> I also thought everyone was needlessly worried about it. Like, it's double encased. He's probably fine. Well, I mean, no, that is a that is a bucket. Nah, case. it's fine. It's a lot eh, of death. It's fine. I sort of have the Watney opinion on it. Like, meh. <laughs> well, I mean, what? What's well, not going to come anything more than Mars, it will. <laughs> yeah. He was like, compared to all my other problems, this is nothing. <laughs> I think early on he would have definitely been like that. Like, oh, man, shit, this is not a good idea. But he's like, well, last week I got catapulted out of the hab by... <laughs> By the thing that killed all my food. Also, the fact that he never, ever, ever started a nursery elsewhere doesn't make sense. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. That wasn't attached to Hab. But it would have been really hard. He would have had to, like, create new machines to regulate it. No, he could put it in a rover. Uh, He already figured out how to jerry-rig one on. Yeah, I guess. He could have put it in a rover, too, and, like, attached the two pop tents to each other. Because he had the pop tents. That's why I was kind of like, why didn't he, like... Because it wouldn't have had to be big. It would have just had to be enough that he could, like, repopulate his farm in case of emergency. Yeah, you could repopulate potatoes pretty quick, right? So what you do is take the pop tent, you hook it up to... uh, Because he talked about how the air tubing could run to the hab, didn't he? Because it's all sterilized. Yeah, or to the the rover. Things would just... Yeah, right. And the thing, the air vents, as we saw in the rover incident the great rover incident that should have killed him, um, shut off if there's any loss of air pressure. So really, those would have survived fine. Yeah, how did he attach the pop tent farms? He didn't. He didn't have pop tent farms. He did have pop tent farms. Oh, no, sorry, no, they were attached to the airlocks of, wait, that's not right. If they were attached to the airlocks, it would have been okay. I think you might be right, though. I think they were attached to the airlocks. Man, Andy Weir, your story is Swiss cheese. Wait, so... (laughs) It just fire and <laughs> No, wait. So it, maybe he had okay. Okay, maybe he had the 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 airlocks open, which I'm calling bullshit on. Anyway, oh, actually, he would have had to have. Yeah, no. Open. Unless they don't attach. Unless the the rovers is differently sized. I feel like wasn't is the there rovers the same size? Making the pop tents work on the have rovers. No, I'm pretty sure he didn't use the pop tents on his farm. I think you're drunk. Like he was like no, because there was a whole um. That was part of why they realized he was there, was because he had the pop tents. It's a ploy. Uh, okay, alright, I'm, I'm on to you now. I gotta feel ya. No, yeah, I'm calling bullshit. Those pop tents would totally survive. There was I think you're right. I think they were literally just attached to the half by hose. Yeah, because no, cool. after... I mean, they said that he was favoring one... Uh, what, the one airlock, the one oh, that no, blew. He, he said, yeah, he had no problem with sacrificing a couple of vents, a couple of airlocks to the cause. Cause he yes, I think that's right. But the either way, I feel like the airlocks would have had, like, emergency closure. Yeah, regardless of how, I'm sure the Pop Tent's farms would have been fine, and he would have had extra spuds, and all the bacteria he got from the ground came from his butt anyway. <laughs> that's not true, actually. Wait, is no, it? No, he also had soil bacteria, because your, your 
the fecal matter wouldn't contain like all of the species in a, that would be required to make um, our soil soil plantable. Oh, so he bought like a tiny bit of dirt. Yeah, then. for his botany experiments. And, but yeah, okay, basically wait, wait. he he added all his his poop diarrhea. Excuse me, poop bacteria. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Maybe it was diarrhea. Yeah. He didn't say, but. <laughs> I, mean, I can't imagine his diet was very balanced. Yeah, no. I'm mean, actually probably. Um, well, I don't know. Almost, almost I can't comment on that. Don't <laughs> but the point is, yes, uh, he would have. Yes, he would have lost all his bacteria. I thought about that too because oh, I was sure. thinking about bacteria can survive some pretty extreme conditions, like extreme cold and all that, um, by forming little uh, little cysts. But they wouldn't have like had time. I already, I already tried to analyze the bacterial part of this, Peter. He would, that was okay, in my opinion. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure you're wrong. Yes. About that. No, no, I'm not saying the bacteria was necessary. I'm just saying, like, I would thought he maybe could get more. I thought the problem was the spuds died. Like, that was also died. That's also an issue. All right. Bo- oh, oh. Both of these were problems. But, again, if he had had, Wait, if he so, had, had a no, second tent. they survived. No, 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 no. They were intact. He could eat them, but they were not. No, no, the bacteria. No, no, no. The bacteria. The bacteria survived? I'm, I'm pretty sure he said no, the bacteria. No, 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 no. That like, was after some, he came back from, said, like, um, from Sirius, his serious trip. Yeah, yeah, that's when he cools shit down. But I think he said, like, hey, some bacteria actually survived, but I don't have any spuds. Because I think, like, the lower levels survived. I don't remember. This isn't this important. Is, yeah. He died anyway. I mean, he, <laughs> no, he didn't die. That's my problem. <laughs> no, no, oh, no, I'm sorry. I mean, he wouldn't, he would have died. He wouldn't have died. Wait. His, his anyway. potatoes were inedible. His or potatoes would have been fine. Even though. His potatoes would have been fine because this, he would have had the pop tent supply, including that bacteria, which would have, you know, bacteria. Maybe he had to jam the airlocks open. That's what I'm going with. He had to jam the airlocks open to keep them attached, and then, so they didn't close automatically when the hab depressurized. He it's not airtight. Extra unlike the hab. Hab kits. What? <laughs> he had extra uh, hab kits, like hab canvas vent kits, that, like, attached vents into hab canvas. He had extra. I remember him talking about it. Nope. I'm on his bullshit. I'm on his Wait, what would the vents have to do with anything? No, he talked about it at one point. I forget where it was, but like how he had these extra like little just like these squares of hab canvas. Like it was meant to be attached yeah. into hab yeah. canvas. That was for vent attaching vents to yeah. things. Right. So like it's not even like oh well, there's maybe there's no way to do it on the, you know whatever on the um, tent on the pop tents. Like yeah, well, I have need the airlock to regulate the atmosphere. If there was nothing on the pop tent already, he could have just used one of those. Okay, I'm so mad. <laughs> this story is shit. I hate this book. <laughs> yeah, I know I hate this book. Whatever. That's what I'm saying. Podcast. That's what I'm saying. It's a better movie than a book because it's not a good book. It's a good story with I a lot of holes. <laughs> a story can have any good founding, you know. Anyway, all right. So that that but but we digress again. The rage. So do, you, do you have anything happening. else to add? Um, just that the potatoes he grew would have been toxic a little bit. Because <laughs> wait, wait, hold up. We're adding ten more minutes to this podcast now. What the hell are you talking about? Um, so we're still working on figuring out how toxic. Um, basically, Mars soil has really high numbers of this chemical called perchlorates, which I think either form or react with the um, radiation in the atmosphere, which would have a made it really toxic for the bacteria, and b would have gotten to the potatoes. The toxicity to humans is what we're kind of like, eh, about, like, how bad it would be, but it's definitely one of the big issues with colonizing Mars, eventually, is obviously we'll have to use Mars soil for crops, eventually, but we need to be able to treat we're it for the perchlorates, we need to get them out of there. Okay, alright, alright, no, okay, so I see where you're coming from, and I actually read an article about this, look at me, um, 
while you were in the bathroom before we started recording. <laughs> and how quickly you and forgot. No, it was about. It was about how. Um, well, I wasn't sure about the toxicity, but I re- was reading about perchlorates because that was in my the science of the Martian, the good, the bad, the fascinating. Uh, <laughs> you you should probably so, post a link to that <laughs> with how many so times you mentioned it. it. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to keep keep the suspense. <laughs> so. Uh, it's on gizmodo.com. Uh, <laughs> um, so, no, so perchlorates actually, we know how to wash out of the soil. That's like a thing we can do. Yeah, but he didn't. Most we think we did. <laughs> is my no, point. So I, what I'm saying is he had plenty of fucking water because he was making it out of rocket fuel, okay? I'm just saying, so, yes, okay, yes, he could have done it, but if if Andy Weir meant him to do it, he would have said it because he told you why he did everything he did. Every move Mark Watney made was thoroughly explained. I'll be watching. Yeah, uh, exactly. They weren't watching. That was the sad part. Oh, they were, they were well, watching. Well, I mean, the breaths were hard to see. Why didn't he think anyone was watching him, honestly? <laughs> he should have just hung out outside and, like, wandered around. Like, people were taking pictures. I would have pictures. made a giant rock <laughs> sign, you know what I mean? Like, somebody was going to take a picture eventually. Oh, yeah, they would have gone around to it, going, hey, fuckers, here. <laughs> Basically. He says that rocks, it's just the shape of a middle finger. <laughs> Um, oh god, I would have done that actually. Damn it! I will say though, that's hilarious. I, <laughs> people are like, "That's a weird formation. I've never noticed." Oh god, aliens are real. <laughs> it's probably aliens. It's probably not that clown we left it's, on Mars. It's more believable than Mark Watney surviving Honestly. your eighteen-kilometer mile an hour equivalent wind. We're serious. <laughs> um, but anyway, for all that said about how I wanted Mark Watney to die, the moment where um they were getting ready for launch of them, A.V. to the Hermes, was so beautiful when Mark Watney said, go, and everyone cheered, and it got me, Peter. It got me. Yeah. I, I love the one where he got on the, the... I have to imagine, like, the moment he got on Hermes. Oh, my God. And imagine just, like, being someone who was alone for... How long did it end up being? I mean, many months. Was it I a year? I think it was, like, five... Wait, no, it had to be less than 400 souls, because that was all he was going to make on his rations. Wait, no. I think he had, he like, got some... Rations was 400, then there was, like, another 100 or so from the potatoes, I think. So, like, so a year and a half. Five, let's say a year and a half. 500. Yeah, a year and a half. Okay, I, I can live with that. So, like, a year and a half alone. Yeah. And only maybe, what, three months of that talking to people? The rest of it going, either they don't know I'm alive, or I hope they're there. I hope they still think I'm alive. Yeah. You know? Like, that's wild to me. Yeah, the, the moment where, um, where Beck, like, looked at him when he got in the capsule... Was beautiful yeah no I'm, that I'm was great emotional payoff for all my talk about and how he I, remember died. I do remember that scene in the movie when like mark wani gets pulled out of the thing he got this guy this scraggly beard he smells like crap yeah and it's like he finally made it back with his crew that is a very nice moment it's beautiful it makes it all worth it okay that bad science anyway. moments and arguably poor fiction it's, writing aside it's, a, <laughs> it's an amazing story it's not especially great, like well founded, but I think among sci-fi, it definitely has earned a spot as one of the, uh, one of the more renowned sci-fi. I books. agree. Definitely one of the more popularly, like basically Ender's Game and, and the and the Martian are the only two really except like you can say you've read Ender's Game and everyone's not oh you're a nerd. Really? Because you're not. I think maybe. so. Maybe once the movie came out and it became like even more mainstream, people are more likely I mean, to call you totally a bigot for reading it than a nerd. <laughs> Never mind. Oh, for Ender's Game. Just for supporting <laughs> Horses Scott Card. I thought you were talking about the Marshall. <laughs> yeah. What are you talking about? What was bigoted about this? It started this? White Man, Peter. 
<laughs> Sissy, there was a, ma- a Spanish man. And who man. wrote it? A white man. <laughs> God, you don't know that. I've never seen a picture of anywhere. Anywhere I have. might not be white. It's pretty white. <laughs> oh. Oh God! Well, what else was I expecting? <laughs> okay. Anyway, let's go. Okay, so guys, we don't really think we super need uh, a what those smart people think because really, let's be honest, we're the smart people on this one, guys. We got so it. yeah, no, we we got this down. We I think we nailed it. All right, nailed it. So <laughs> we're just gonna go ahead and start playing our uh, various social medias and really bad website. Uh, you guys can find us at signifyingnothingnetwork.com forward slash sci-fi sidebar or our Facebook page facebook.com slash sci-fi sidebar or the network page for on Facebook facebook.com slash signifying nothing network you can also email us to ask us about how many things we got wrong even though we are the experts as we said at sci-fi sidebar at signifying nothing network.com or snn at signifying nothing network.com if you really want to just get after us if you want to make sure that everyone in the network knows. Yes, both of us. Our vast network <laughs> of us. So guys, seriously though, uh, tell us what you think, whether it's email, whether it's Facebook, whatever you got. Uh, we'll have a Twitter page eventually, but that's not in this episode. So just, uh, you know, feel free to, you know, let's get a, let's get a, a Snapchat feed going and let's really kill it on the social media front. So, <laughs> Snapchat feed. <laughs> just Snapchatting pictures of books. <laughs> no, it's just of a microphone. Uh, so anyway, Still right. recording. Alright guys, so we will uh, catch you in, um, I don't know, a few weeks? When are we trying, what are we talking about? Uh, releasing, well, we're going to do Jurassic Park for our next episode, and we plan on releasing it on February 1st. Yes, or thereabouts. So, or uh, thereabouts. And, and you know what, like our Facebook page, and stay tuned for more updates. Yeah, we'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Okay, so this has been Sci-Fi Sidebar with signifyingnothingnetwork.com. Until told by idiots. Talk to you guys in February. Bye-bye.